Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Amy Dash is our CBS legal correspondent, and boy, do we need her today. Yeah, so she is up early for us. I'm confused. <laughs> Amy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you. Twitter has me up until 2, 3 in the morning with questions about Zeke. Yeah. Wow, you committed. And yeah, is it, seriously. Well, and it's Amy Dash TV on Twitter, is that correct? Or have you changed it? Yeah, that? yeah, at Amy Dash TV. Okay, and, and Amy does a great job answering your questions, and she's she's there all the time, all hours of the night, right, Amy, to answer <laughs> your legal night. questions? I don't need sleep. I'm not a real person. <laughs> right. uh, okay, so I, I think I have a, a baseline understanding of uh, what is happening right now. He's going to play week one against the Giants. There is this temporary restraining order that may or may not happen that will probably end up hearing a decision on Friday. So what is this judge who is either going to grant the temporary restraining order or not? What is he taking into account to make that decision? Okay, so there are two things here. I'm going to try to simplify this. A temporary restraining order basically is... That's a request for something immediate to happen right away. When they made that application, Harold Henderson hadn't made his decision, so they were trying to stop him from making his decision. Now he's made his decision. So the second thing that they asked for is an injunction, and this is something that would stay in place that would put a, a hold on the suspension until they can hash it out in court. What they're looking for with an injunction is basically they want to show that if the court doesn't give it, that Zeke can suffer irreparable harm. So it's a last resort. So it says to the court, you have to help us because if you don't, something's going to happen to this player that nobody can fix. Now the catch there is that if money can fix it, then the court's not supposed to grant the injunction Mm -hmm. because it's supposed to be a total last resort. And the argument by the NFL is that there is no irreparable harm. Because money could fix this. Any damage to his reputation, well, that's done already, they said. And whether or not the Cowboys make it to the championship, if he plays or not, well, that's just a speculative thing that we can't assess in court. How can money fix this? If he sits six games, he's losing an enormous amount of money. So how... What's the rationale behind money fixing this? Money is not going to fix this. He will never... He can make some more money down the line, but that money's gone. Right, exactly. But, but when you're looking at the analysis as a judge, it's not whether he's actually going to get the money and be fixed. It's could money restore him, whether he gets it or not. That's the analysis. So if he lost money, then, then what the NFL is saying, well, money would be able to restore him, whether, he w- whether we pay him back or not. And as long as that's something that could fix the problem, then the court's not supposed to grant that uh, restraining order 
Something that I have been referencing ever since this case came out is I think it's a, a, a lose-lose for the Ezekiel Elliott side because of, of precedent. I mean, we saw what happened with Tom Brady. Yes, there's different circumstances, but when the NFL decides it's going to suspend somebody and that suspended party wants to fight, they will find a way because of the language in the CBA to make sure that suspension uh, is served at some point or another. Can we look at the precedent with the Brady case and say that the same thing eventually will happen to Ezekiel Elliott because of what's in that CBA in regards to the personal conduct policy? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that Brady stands for, in part, the fact that the court, federal courts don't want anything to do with these arbitrations. They want to stay away from them and leave them as is because they were bargained for under the CBA. And there's really no place for the court to be deciding anything. <clears throat> no, in the sense that Brady made the argument that the arbitration award with him should have been overturned because he didn't get notice. He also made a fairness argument, but the court didn't think it was strong enough. Here, Ezekiel Elliott has a very, very strong procedural argument to overturn the arbitration award, basically saying that the whole process was not fair for a couple of reasons. One is that he couldn't even cross-examine his accuser mm -hmm. as part of the arbitration. Two, he couldn't cross-examine Roger Goodell as part of the appeal, and Goodell's the one that made the ultimate decision. And three, they have this whole theory about a conspiracy where the league, they're saying, hid information from one of the co-investigators who didn't feel there should be a suspension, and also wouldn't give them her notes. So I think they have a much stronger case than Brady, and I don't think that Brady negates his ability to win and overturn the arbitration award. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio, Amy Dash, CBS Sports Legal Analyst, joining us here. What's the other recourse? Let's say the judge this Friday doesn't grant the injunction. What's, uh, what other recourse does the legal team for Ezekiel Elliott have? Two things could happen. One, he could dismiss it entirely, which I think he has great grounds to do because they brought it way too early. They brought it before Harold Henderson even made his decision. So it wasn't ripe is what they call it. It wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't if, he don't, if the judge doesn't dismiss it, then um, it could stay in that Texas court and he could issue some sort of a, a hold on the suspension, like a stay, which is what Brady got. And then they'll hash it out in court, and who knows when he'll serve the suspension, if ever. But if, if uh, he dismisses it, then the NFL can try to run and file to enforce it in a New York or somewhere else. Or his lawyers, Ezekiel Elliott's lawyers, can go back to Texas and run and try to file for a stay. The Ezekiel Elliott side keeps using the word conspiracy over and over again anytime that they release a statement. Uh, do, do, do you believe that they all have? Uh, it's funny. I guess not. Yeah. Do you believe that they have uh, any grounds to continue to, to use that word, or is that sort of just buzz language to get people's attention? Oh, it's so evil, and I'm never a conspiracy theorist, but I agree with them this time. Really? Wow. Yeah, because there are just too many things that indicate that the NFL tried to hide Kia Roberts' conclusion. First of all, all of these reports usually end with a conclusion. So they must have gone out of their way to tell Lisa Friel and Kia Roberts, oh, don't put your conclusion at the end of this 160-something page report. And after that, 
it's just weird. Like, why wasn't she at the meeting with Roger Goodell and the advisors? But the other investigator was there. And then the advisors ask what Kia's conclusion was and what she thought. And Lisa Friel won't directly answer that. I just find it very bizarre. And I think that it was hidden because they didn't want Ezekiel Elliott's side to use it during the arbitration. And they just mostly, I think, they didn't want that type of disagreement to get out in the media among the co-investigators because it creates somewhat of a a scandal. It, It gives people bait to question Roger Goodell and his decision. Whereas if he just has Lisa Friel in there saying that she thinks there should be a suspension, then that gives him a little bit more support. And and so it, it just makes it a lot cleaner. Amy, are we correct in our assertion that there was no conclusive evidence that Ezekiel Elliott, as we've read the transcripts, uh, no conclusive evidence that Ezekiel Elliott caused these injuries. Now, there's speculation that he caused the injuries and that he was uh, present when these injuries uh, were, were t- took place. But the way we read it, it doesn't say that. It sounds like a he said, she said. I think it's a total he said, she said. But remember, you have a lot of court cases that are just made up of circumstantial evidence. Look at Bill Cosby. I mean, Bill Cosby's brought up with the with a he said, she said, and there is no direct evidence. This happens all the time. There was more evidence here than in a lot of the cases that are brought uh, to the court. So the NFL did something that prosecutors chose not to do. They hired medical experts to examine photographs. And I didn't find the medical experts very persuasive. They were kind of all over the place. They were assessing which bruises they thought looked recent, which ones were maybe a couple of days old or a week old, how they happened. So that's all speculation, but it does happen in court all the time with experts. Um, And then you have this metadata that the NFL got that the prosecutors decided not to go after, which confirmed basically that she sent the pictures on the days that she thought the injuries that she said the injuries had happened and also they recovered all of her text messages they couldn't get a hold of his because he wouldn't cooperate Um, but they recovered tens of thousands of texts from her phone and her family phone and basically these texts revealed that she was talking about what he allegedly did to her on those days and sending people pictures of it but at the end of the day like you said this is all coming from her and he's denying it he admits he was with her on those days but he doesn't provide an alternative explanation as to how she got black eyes and bruises all over her body. The, the so fa- the NFL made the leap. Yeah. So the fact that you, you have transcripts that state she attempted to get her friend to conspire along with her uh, to, to lie about this. And she also, the NFL also acknowledges that she has a credibility issue. Is that going to lead to assisting Ezekiel in his camp? No, because, well, it, it assisted him in the sense that the prosecutor didn't feel that he should bring the case because mm-hmm. of credibility issues. And the reason for that is because one, a lot of times with juries, once somebody is proven to be a liar, they won't believe them at all. The NFL chose to take the opposite approach, which I think is the right approach. Just because somebody lies doesn't mean they're a total liar. Mm-hmm. It could mean they're a total liar, but it doesn't also necessarily have to. They could be a victim of domestic abuse. So the NFL chose to believe her on a couple of occasions. Now, in the court system, they're not looking at the credibility of the accuser. What the judge is going to look at is purely was there a procedural error or errors that made this unfair to Ezekiel Elliott? 
and that merit the arbitration award being overturned. Gio and Jones with Amy Dash, our CBS Sports legal analyst. I can't really get a grasp on why Ezekiel Elliott can play in week one, but it seems like it's the NFL's decision. Did you get any sort of clear indicators as to why he's allowed to play this week? Yeah, I think because the judge pressured the NFL to answer the question over whether he would be playing. I don't think it's a relevant question. I was pretty surprised that the judge asked it. So there are two theories that I have. One is that the judge is a Cowboys fan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, who would be? Theory. <laughs> who would be, Amy? <laughs> two is, and this is also related to him being a Cowboys fan. Two, he's a Cowboys fan, and he wanted to know how, many, how much time he has to issue his decision. Because if they didn't answer the question, then he would have felt pressured to issue the decision on the TRO yesterday, which is what usually happens. It's usually issued the same day or within a day or two. But once the NFL said, okay, we're going to let him play on Sunday, well, then he knew that he had more time, and he said, all right, give me till Friday, because he didn't want to disappoint the fans or himself. That's my theory. <laughs> there are conspiracies all over the place, yeah. man. The NFL, the judge. I'm so. I'm usually – so against conspiracy theories, but I think so here because I've never heard a judge pressure the NFL. Oh, by the way, what's the status on Sunday? And they're like, uh, Judge, we're here for our restraining order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is he going to play on Sunday against the Giants or not? You got to tell me right now. I mean, that's ridiculous. This everybody had this theory out there that there was this 4 p.m. rule, and Harold Henderson had to issue his decision by 4 p.m. or Zeke plays. That was nonsense, too. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an NFL decision. So Harold Henderson upheld the arbitration award. Now, if the judge yesterday had ruled for the NFL, he wouldn't be allowed to play. But instead of ruling for the NFL or anybody, the judge first got the NFL to commit to let him play. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Never heard of that. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting to us as well. Now, I never involve myself in other people's money, but uh, how much do you think a defense like this will, will cost? Well, the NFLPA is probably paying for the majority of it because they hired Jeffrey Kessler, and he and he's their damn good. are running it. Yeah, Kessler's good. He is very good, mm. but he's also very, very confident. It's like every time I talk to him, like, for example, I talked to him, I said, I don't think you really have a good shot with this TRO because, first of all, you filed it way too soon. The guy didn't even make a decision. It's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, he has an answer for everything. He thinks he's going to win every single time. And obviously he didn't with Brady mm-hmm. or Peterson. Do you have a... He thinks he's going to win again. I think he has a much better case this time, though. So, so give me a figure. Give me a figure. How much something like this in case Geo gets in trouble? Oh, gosh. All right. I know because um, a relative of mine had to go to federal district court. Mm-hmm. So the lawyers charge about like $500 an hour, but you're talking about Jeffrey Kessler, who's the top, so he could be up to like... Seven hundred dollars to a thousand dollars an hour. This is a total guesstimate. But he's in New York City, so you're talking about an hour, and they spend. I mean, just to get a TRO in is probably in the range of twenty to forty or fifty thousand dollars just to get the TRO in. That's the first step. You know what this means? This means Amy got some coins. Amy, (laughs) loan me five dollars. Oh, my God. But I'm a legal analyst on television. I make nothing. I should go and work as a lawyer. Do you, do you have a favorite lawyer? Like, we have favorite players in sports. Do you look at somebody and go, that's my guy right there? Or my oh, girl? That's such a great question. I've never been asked that question before, so I've never really thought about it. Um, Mine's yeah, Rusty Harden. I, I guess I, 
You know what? I like Judge Judy. Oh, she's really? She's a former lawyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's really blunt and she doesn't take BS. Judge Judy. I think she's a little harsh, but I like her. Yeah, okay. mine's Rusty Harden down in Texas. Oh, yeah, Rusty's the man. Oh, when I see Rusty him, I get, ex- I get excited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Cochran back in the day. Yeah, he's dead Johnny, now. Johnny was good. And we're talking about living. We're... Yeah, I, I said back in the day, yeah, yeah I know he's dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of those. Law- lawyers aren't really lovable people, the majority of them. So Yeah, but well. uh, but you being a legal analyst, you got to respect some guy's work. Uh, you know, if you look at, say, like, this person is. I know, you know some lovable lawyers. Do you? Yeah, I you got know friends what? in it's the business. It's hard because everybody's got a side. When you're a practicing lawyer, you have to choose a side. Yeah, right. So I see myself sort of as as like the balancer of mm. the different sides. Mm-hmm. Amy, so I so I like to challenge the lawyers and and their camps rather than respect them too much. Oh, well, Amy, okay, we are we are happy that you are on our side. Yes, and, yeah. and thanks again for getting up early this morning. You're already up. Thanks for joining us early this morning, <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Take care, guys. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.